Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. What do cats and Pope Benedict have in common? Is this beluga whale a friendly Russian spy? Are you smarter than a wasp? Tesla cares about your pet, the Amish and Poppy Mills. These are just a few of the topics we'll be covering today. Hello, I'm Nancy DiFabio, and welcome to Animal News Magazine, a live radio show about animals, including mammals, birds, fish, reptiles, amphibians, and insects, otherwise known as anthropods. Topics range from animals and science, to animals and entertainment, to animals and religion, to animals and agriculture. And if you stop and think about it, animals play an important role in our daily lives as individuals and as a society. Although I have already formed my opinion on many of the topics, and I will share those opinions with you, this show is about increasing our knowledge and understanding the animal world. And from that information, you can draw your own conclusions. At the beginning of the show, you heard a male voice. That was not my male voice. I am a female. That was our guest host, William Mayoff. Good morning. He is an attorney. And before we start... Well, uh, on a lighter side, late one night, a burglar broke into a house, and while he was sneaking around, he heard a voice say, Jesus is watching you. He looked around and saw nothing. He kept on creeping and again heard, Jesus is watching you. In a dark corner, he saw a cage with a parrot inside. The burglar asked the parrot, Was it you who said Jesus is watching me? The parrot replied, Yes. Relieved, the burglar asked, What is your name? The parrot said, Clarence. The burglar said, That's a stupid name for a parrot. What idiot named you Clarence? The parrot answered, The same idiot that named the Rottweiler Jesus. It's a cute joke. It is. Um, So the first story today, we're going to talk about Vatican kitties. Ancient Romans respected cats, and the cats were considered exotic and sacred animals in ancient Rome. They were appreciated as rodent repellents and were the only animals allowed to freely roam temples and estates. They often accompanied Roman legions on trips across Europe to keep grain stores safe. The cat also represented liberty and divinity. Libertas, the goddess of liberty, was often depicted with a cat at her feet. Today, Rome is still a haven for cats. An estimated 300,000 feral cats inhabit the city with unlimited access to the ancient temples. Actually, in 2001, Roman cats were officially given protection by Rome's city council, by designated them as the bioheritage of Rome. They are fully protected, untouchable. Formerly, Pope Benedict XVI is actually known for his love of cats, though due to tradition he was not allowed to keep uh, one in his apartment in Vatican City when he was Pope. 
a pope cannot have a pet that lives with him within the walls of Vatican City. That's pretty sad. But for almost 20 years previous to his election as pontiff, he was then Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, lived just east of the Vatican in the Roman neighborhood of Borgo Pio. He was said, or I think it's Borgo Pio, I don't know. He was said to have enjoyed strolling along the historic avenues, interrupted only by stray cats who would run to greet him. Why can't the Pope have a cat? I don't know. I tried to find out, and it's just this old rule that just can't have cats. you got to find out. Yeah, I know. I yeah. tried to find out. But if anybody knows, just uh, please call. Actually, what's the call-in number here? 323-203-0815. Question, why can't the Pope have a cat or a pet? Correct. Very good. Even a bird. It just can't have it. So when he was cardinal, he often delivered sermons at this German-language church in Campo Santo Tutonico near St. Peter's Basilica. And after Mass, he would go to the old cemetery behind the church. And before becoming Pope, when he was actually delivering these sermons, he was also a, the- a theology professor at the University of Regensburg. And um, a gentleman called by, uh, by the name of Conrad Baumgartner was the head of theology at that department. So they both worked at the same university. And one day, he went with him to the cemetery. And... Um, Conrad Baumgartner, the head of the theology department there, said he recounted that if it, it was full of cats. The cemetery was full of cats. And when the when the, he was not Pope Benedict I, but when he went out, they all ran to him. They knew him and they loved him. He stood there petting them, talking to them for quite a long time. He visited the cats at the cemetery whenever he visited the church. His love for cats was quite famous and is quite famous. So the Pope's brother, Reverend George Ratzinger, describes him as a very tender-hearted and animal-loving person. Even the housekeeper of his brother said, Oh, the Pope? Yeah, oh, cats? He loves cats. They always go to him straight away, and he loves them back. He's always content to play with the street cats. So that's it for the former Pope. Today he lives in uh, Vatican City. He's quite the recluse, but uh, the word on the street that he actually has a cat this story is a little different. It's also a cute story, and it's about a whale. Um, actually, a whale was actually accused of being a Russian spy. So this happened in Copenhagen in Denmark, and this whale was first spotted by some Norwegian fishermen, and this was like at the end of April of this year. So the white whale was found frolicking the harbor of... Uh, Tuffjord, I guess, that I, I don't know if I screwed up the name, but it's a village near Norway's northernmost point. And they discovered that this whale was wearing a GoPro car, uh, uh, camera harness with the English words Equipment St. Petersburg printed on the label. Can you imagine a cute whale with this harness with Equipment St. Petersburg in any event? It must have been some big harness. <laughs> How big was this whale, Nancy? <laughs> it's a whale. I don't know. I guess it was pretty big. It's a beluga whale. They're pretty big. Pretty big. So the tight har- harness, um, they thought it, would, it appeared to be of Russian origin, according to them. So it raised concern of Norwegian officials, the military, the Norway's military. I don't. Uh, I think it was Denmark's limit. I don't know if Norway and Denmark, they got involved in this. Um, the military became a bit suspicious of this whale. It was friendly, but at the same time, it had this harness. So it prompted speculation, and they thought that it came from a Russian military facility. So a spy whale, potential spy whale. 
A beluga spy whale. See that? So since um, marine mammal training facilities were common during the Soviet Union, these Norwegian locals and news outlets were convinced that this whale was a defective Russian spy. That's what they thought. The talk in the village was that it may have escaped from a Russian military facility or maybe even swam from St. Petersburg, Florida because of the English language text. Um, a, depart- a professor at the Department of uh, Arctic and Marine Biology at the uh, University of Norway, his name is Auden Rickardson, um, he was convinced that it was most likely uh, from a Russian navy in Murmansk. Um, Murmansk. Murmansk, yes, is the headquarters for Russia's northern fleet, and it's uh, swing in town, Murmansk. No, actually, it's it hold, it's it's the single most powerful fleet in the Russian navy, and that city, Murmansk, is located close to the Norwegian border, so they thought this whale is from there. Um, so the uh, Soviet Union uh used to have a base in Sevastopol on the Crimean Peninsula during the Cold War to train dolphins, not whales, though, for military purposes. Uh, but it was closed. This uh, facility in Crimea was closed following the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, even though there's speculation that it reopened. But, so there uh, used to be dolphins who were spying. Right. But not, no confirmation as to whales, correct? No, dolphins. no whale unknown. Dolphins are reputed to be pretty intelligent animals, right? Yeah, and so are whales. Yeah, but I could see where a dolphin would be a spy. But whales, it <laughs> seems like too big an act. Well, he was wearing a harness. In any event, the Russian, even though the Russian Defense Ministry got involved and they published a tender, well, they did publish a tender in 2016 for, for, um, for, for dolphins, but uh, I don't think it's related to, to whales again. So uh, even if um, some Russian naval analyst, I think his name is Mikhail Barabanov, he, he spoke, I guess he was a spokesperson for the Russian uh, Navy, and he said, even if there are military programs for using marine animals for Navy purposes, like you and I just said, they are unlikely to be belugas. And he said, and such animals are unlikely to be released in the o- open ocean. I mean, really. Um, and he actually, in his own words, this uh, Mikhail Barabanov, a Russian naval analyst, uh, said, I think that these Norwegian idiots simply robbed certain Petersburg zoologists who were trying to track whales. So so the poor whale was blamed, the victim. The poor victim. So anyway, the, the fish, uh, so one fisherman jumped into the water to remove the harness. This was in April of this year. The whale began to rub itself around against the boat. The whale was very, very friendly. Fetched the people sinking phones in the water. Was comfortable with the people when they came to you. He would let the residents pat it on the nose. Just a very, very so friendly all animal. So characteristics that he wasn't a spy. All, all well, all that's the thing. They thought this is a trained whale because he's friendly with oh, humans, oh, but oh, at the oh. same time he's wearing this harness. But I thought to myself, you know, would the Russian military or navy be so stupid as to put equipment of Saint Petersburg an on an actual an whale yeah. who's a spy whale? It's just silly. Are these whales, as we know it, the blue whales that spout that water yeah, at the top so. of their heads? Yeah, really? I think so. Yeah, I think so. So um, fascinating. Yeah. So this is the the spy whale. Even the uh, U.S. military found out about it, and they wrote a few articles in their. Um, so are they conclusive that the beluga whale is not part we, of We'll Russia? never know. We just, wait, Moscow said no. But they admitted to dolphins. They admitted to dolphins. So to be continued. And, and, and those listeners out there who have special expertise and knowledge on this want to call in as soon as they can and, and assist us 
and determining why the Pope cannot have a pet. Right. And any any knowledge that uh, you folks out there might have with regard to Beluka or any whale who might be coasting our waters here and jeopardizing us, be spied for those Russian folks, just call us at 323-203-0815. National show, right, Nancy? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe this whale helped Trump win the election. There you go. <laughs> See, this is what Mueller, Mueller might want to investigate, the obvious, right? About the big elephant in the room, that's the big whale in the room. That, whale uh, in the room. The dams and everyone are forgetting. So again, it's 323-203-0815. Call from anywhere in the world. Uh, we have a global reach, whales and all, 323-203-0815. Back to you, Nancy. Back to me. Okay, now we're going to go with something totally different. We're going to talk about wasps, smart wasps. Wasps that might be even smarter White than Anglo-Saxon you. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants? What are the insects? No, they're the insect, the wasp. Ah, okay. okay. So there's this recent study that was published on May 8th this year on paper wasps. And um, these what do you are mean the, by paper wasps? Excuse well, there's certain species of wasps. Oh. And they're first known, these are the first known insects to demonstrate a form of deductive logic. It's called transit, transitive inf- inference. Oh, wow. So, otherwise known as TI. So, what it is, it's the ability to infer relations between objects. For example, actually, you, we develop this ability at, when, we're, when we're children. So, let's say that Carol is taller than Sally, okay? And then Sally is taller than Dan. So, Carol, who's taller than Sally, must be taller than Dan, okay? They can figure this out. So even though the heights, yes. So even though the heights of Carol and Dan were never really directly compared, there is enough information to infer that how tall they are relative to each other. Who's conducted these studies, Nancy? Okay, it's a, how much budget for this? <laughs> well, the scientist, the the lead scientist, her name is Elizabeth Tibbetts, and she's a she's a biologist at the University of Michigan. So she basically got up one day and she wanted to find out if paper wasps could make these kinds of deductions. It's transitive inference, TI. So two paper wasp species were found. The, they're polistes. I don't understand what this means, but polistes daminula and polistes metricus. So they were used for the study. There's paper wasps, basically. The wasps that bite you, you know, with the wasp nests and all that. Are these the wasps that we see hovering around yes. like garbage outside? Yes, right? yes, oh, just wow. a regular wasp. So they have, they have the ability, intellectual ability to... See relational things like if Carol and all those folks. Correct. Wow. They actually did a test. So they trade these wasps on four colors, four four pairs of colors in a series. Amazing. A, B, B, C, C, D, and D, E. Okay. So, So to make certain that the wasps actually got the message or that the test was convincing or the results were convincing, some wasps started with the A, B, other wasps started with DE, so some went forward and some went backward. It's really them telling you. So that's why I'm talking about this. So once the wasps were trained to recognize the pairs A, B, C, D, I mean, I mean A, B, B, C, C, D, and DE, they were tested on combinations. Okay? A, E, B, D. So really, they tested every which way. In the tests with the color pairing A, B, the A side was safe. Okay, and the B side was electrified. 
Now, follow me here. Actually, I'm going to post this on my website because it's kind of hard to follow. I mean, even I'm a human and it's hard like to follow. Algebra, sounds like algebra to me. <laughs> so the A side was safe. The B side was electrified. The, in BC, the B side was safe. The C side was electrified. CD, the C was safe, D electrified. And DE, D was safe, E electrified. So... So if you follow, A is always safe, and E is always electrified. Now, make the, I want to make this clear. It's just a little, it's, it didn't really hurt them. It's just like a little buzz or something that's kind of So they had the sense to avoid the electrified. They could sense the danger. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's what happened. Even though wow. now, so A is usually, is always safe. E is always electrified. The, the 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 wasps ended up always choosing A safe, over E. The safe zone. Yes. Safe. And so those zappers that you see when we have our barbecues, Memorial Day barbecues, yes. Labor Day barbecues, the wasp is intelligent enough to sense this danger is what you're saying, right? They associated A with safety and E with shock. Unbelievable. And um, Wow. Yeah. So well, I do have a question, Nancy. You're an animal lover, a pet specialist. Uh how is it they conducted these tests without fear that they'd be stung? Well, they probably had gloves, you know, like you see in the movies, and ah, they put those, them they, through those, a hole. The hazmat protective wear and all that we see, the beekeeper costume. Yeah, that kind, right. that kind of beekeeper that stuff. That escaped my mind. Yeah, and they were in their own wow. nest. I mean, they tried to, wow. according to them, they were really ethical in their experiment. Uh, so, uh, but let me tell you about the honeybees. A similar, and I love the honeybees. That's a good segue from wasp to honeybees. No, a similar experiment oh, okay. was conducted with the honeybees in 2004, sure. but found that the bees could not remember the hierarchy of color pairs oh. until life depended on oh. it. Now, but they produce honey. But they're smart. Okay. They can add. They can they can subtract. They understand the number zero, but they can't. They they lack transitive inference. Now. They, they have, they each have brains containing about one million neurons, okay? So they have the same near amount of neurons. As we have a wasp. A, yeah. Okay. Well, you know humans have 86 billion neurons? And a bee has? Uh, only one million. And I know a lot of people who are more, who really, you know, stupid. 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 <laughs> I see when we Dumber drive here to the studio. Plenty of people more stupid so, than people love So why is it that bees can't pass the color test? Their social environment. The scientists suggest, their conclusion is that wasps, the paper wasp, is because they, see the honeybees, they have one queen, they have worker bees, equally ranked female workers, okay? They, they, the worker bees, they raise the queen's offspring, and they do not really aggressively compete for reproduction or work or anything. Now, paper wasps, they live in societies where they have to compete for food and reproductive opportunities and status. They're more from the hood. They're more from the Look hood. Look at that. The wasps are more from the hood, and, and, and the, the uh, bees are more special forces. So they have to the use TI wow. to, to, see, to size up the, the, the competition, basically. Hmm. Uh, they, so they have to figure out whether they can beat their opponent. They have to think. You know, See, they have le- there's less... Um, animosity or <laughs> competition with uh, among wasps for for example so if a wasp you see this is ti if a, let's say a wasp saw barry want to fight with larry barry want to fight with larry and this wasp had previously want to fight with barry then 
it's the boss will infer that he could beat Larry because he beat Barry, who beat Larry. So they have to figure this out without actually, without actually engaging in the fight. So, so don't judge bees and wasps by their brain sizes alone because they can do a lot with one million neurons. information. Yeah. I'll never look at a wasp and it'd be the same exactly. way ever That's again. That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. So um, this next story is... Uh, Before we get to the next story, you have a great byproduct, bees associated with honey. Yeah. Are wasps associated with anything productive with honey? Just or biting just people. Just biting, <laughs> being a pain in the... Uh, I got gotcha. you. No, I'm sure they have some kind of environmental... Benefit? Uh, benefit or purpose, okay. but I don't know... What it is. Are that's you, another good question that we yellow, need to ask. I think they're also called yellow jackets or something. No, that's another. It's a different no, kind this of is the, the, I think the yellow jacket is a bee. Is it a, or are those <laughs> the guys protesting in Paris? <laughs> what do we know? For those of you with opinions, give us a call at 323 That's 323-203-0815. No, the yellow jackets. Are the protesters in yeah, Paris? Yeah, but I think it might be a bee. I don't know. But I know that bees are smart because they can act and subtract. Okay. okay. So And uh, protect the bees because they're endangered. And Nancy cares a lot, and so do I about the welfare of the bees, because they affect a lot. Our food supply to bees and all that, right? I love bees. Right. I love bees, and I don't, uh, personally, I, I don't consume honey. I mean, I'm I'm still debating all that, but I don't know. It, uh, and you, there's a problem, and I'd like to do that story, too, with bees are dying by the, by the millions, and uh, part of it is because they're losing their pollen, the environment, and I think also they got some kind of disease that I, I'm not sure we have already, we have identified. But anyway, I'd like to talk more about bees. And, is there a difference between a bumblebee show? and a... The regular bees that you've been talking? Are there regular bees and bumblebees? Yeah, they're different kinds of bees. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe on your next show we can distinguish, because that's going to bug me from this show to the next show, the differences in the various bees, the species. Yeah, okay, so okay. we could talk about that. And hopefully, <laughs> as a tease to our next show, or your <laughs> next show, we can share with the audience the uh, various species of penguins. Okay. Those former little, little guys. Well, before we talk about penguins, we'll talk about, let's talk about dogs. Okay. okay. Dogs it is. We're going to get a little bit more serious now. Because in about eight minutes, um, Dawn, um, Dawn Karam, she's with AdoptABoxerRescue.com. She's a, she rescues Boxer. And she's going to come and talk on the show about her rescue mission and Tracy, a boxer that uh, she saved from uh, an Amish, an Amish uh, puppy mill. So she's talking gonna... with the boxer doggies, right? Boxer yeah, dogs? yeah. Wow. It's uh, so it's in about eight minutes. She's going to come on. So, um, in May of this year, uh, the Humane Society of the United States released this really horrible hundred report uh, of 2019. They do this every year. They release a report on puppy mills, and uh, Missouri continues to have the largest number of problem puppy mills. Uh, that's seventh year in a row now. Who released this report? The Humane Society of the United States. Okay. They collect records from the USDA, and uh, and they put together a really uh, detailed report, comprehensive report. And for the this was Missouri for the seventh year in a row. This was followed by Iowa, 13, uh, worst, 13 pretty nasty puppy mills. Pennsylvania, 12 where uh, Don Karam is from, oh. and Ohio 8. So what caught my attention 
is that Pennsylvania and Ohio, they have a high concentration of Amish and Mennonite communities. Can you just quickly define for the audience, for those who don't know, what a puppy mill is, please? It's a puppy farm. It's a dog farm. So what's bad and what's, what's bad about that? Well, it all depends on, well, if you, I personally prefer to get a rescue. Well, actually, I'm going to kind of explain what's bad about it okay. is that some See, if you're a if you're a puppy mill, automatically you're, you're you're not good. But if you're just a private person who's just breeding some dogs, you know, to make for money. to or you know because you love the breed and you keep them in good conditions and you give them food and water and just the love and the care and the exercise, then okay, you know, it's all right. But if you actually grow dogs like you would worse than you would grow corn or potatoes, which is a puppy mill or a puppy farm, then that's bad. Gotcha. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more. Even if you don't care about the dog, these dogs uh, can spread diseases to humans because they come from infected places. And isn't it true? Sometimes when they breed them, they're too close in relation. They come out with well, the they're inbred. defects. They're Some inbred. of them are inbred. They're defective yeah. and they're prone to disease. Yeah. The mother is prone and, and she gives it to her puppy. Okay. So, yeah. So, But there are people out there, like they just, let's say they love, you know, boxers, for example, and they breed a few, one, you know, one litter a year and... You know, they give it to a good home. Yeah, okay. You know, I, I can live with that, but this is not but what I'm talking about here. Mechanize it, a conveyor belt that is, is yeah. insensitive. Okay. So, cool. and what caught my attention, like I said before, is that these can, uh, uh, the, the, the counties in, um, and when I say Amish and Mennonite, I'm, it's, it's synonymous. I, I mean, when I say Amish, I also mean Mennonite. So the, these communities um, have largely Amish uh, people and I noticed that the name of the licensed breeders in those states had Amish names. So you go to the USDA, you look at the licensees, let's say in Pennsylvania, the name will be Yoder, Miller, Stolsis. These are all for 99% sure that they're Amish names. So I thought, here, I did some TI here. So I did some inference. I said, if Pennsylvania and Ohio are second and third place offenders, and these states have the largest Amish communities, then... But Nancy, wait, keep in mind we have nothing against Amish people or Mennonite people personally, nothing. It just seems to be a trend to these communities and cultures that they're doing this, correct? Right. Or is it part that's of why them? I'm taking issue with the Amish or, people. Okay, all right. <laughs> that, that's, it's, is it rampant throughout the whole culture? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking with an ex-Amish person. He's a minister now, okay, okay. and he's going to be coming on the show in a few weeks wow. because I want to be fair, you know? Exactly. The information that I have is not good. And you so, invite someone to speak absolutely. on their behalf and come. Okay. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. I want to be fair. I want somebody to come on and tell me, oh, yes, you're right. Oh, no, no, you got this wrong because, you know, I want to be fair. So Someone's uh, got to speak for these brutalized animals. Yeah. So there are, there are some animal, animal welfare groups have come out and said that the Amish own 20% of the puppy industry. Um, it, it looks like it might be true. Um Especially in uh, Lancaster County and Holmes County, uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and Holmes counties uh, in Ohio. Um, so, actually, the Pennsylvania Bureau of Dog Law Enforcement lists 243 kennels in Lancaster County, and um, according to this uh, Dog Law Enforcement Bureau, uh, in Pennsylvania, 98% of these kennels are Amish-owned. So oh, these well, are records yeah. that I've looked at. Right. And so the Amish people, they make up a small percentage of Americans, about 300,000. Uh, 300,000 of them in North America. And 
Now, this is, you know, what really got me. Because when you go and you see the Amish communities, you think of them all, the gentle people. They got this quaint shops, their scenic farms. You got the bearded man, you know, in his bright, in his, uh, you know, wide-brimmed hat, especially, you know, accompanied by his horse, tilling the soil. And you see these barns in the background. Well, when you think all these barns must have stacks of hay, no, it's uh, stacks of their secret crop. It's filthy cages housing puppies wow. born in gruesome conditions. And um, before I get on the call in a few minutes, uh, why am I picking on the Amish? Well, in one word, it's really hypocrisy. You know, uh, they believe in Jesus. They believe in the Holy Trinity. And I don't know where it's written in the Bible that you can keep crops of dogs wow. in ghastly living conditions. Do you they have dog- suffer? Shivering in the winter cold, frozen buckets of water. If there is water, some some don't even have uh, water available to them. You have dogs in the barns with painful wounds. Why hasn't this seen the light of day until now? It's terrible. This has been going on for a long time. But the problem is with the, first of all, the Animal Welfare Act is a weak law act. I'm not going to go on and on about it. And the USDA, you know, they don't. I don't, but especially now it's gotten much, much worse since 2017, but they, they, they hardly did anything care. before, especially in agricultural communities where there's a lot of lobbying. If you're, you know, an agricultural lobby, you're, um, you know, a breeder lobby, it's not, you, you, it, there's very little you can do. So, um, so that's, that's the situation that, that we have with dogs with painful and untreated wounds. So, um. What so ultimately me, do they do with these dogs? If, if, well, they ultimately they, sell them. So actually, okay, our, our friend here is going to come on, so she's going okay. to explain that. And so Don has, has in-depth knowledge about all this, correct? Well, as far as Pennsylvania goes, okay. I mean, she has, she knows. She's been doing this for many, many okay. years. So for me, for me, raising a dog in these brutal conditions, for me, is tantamount to, yeah, uh, to a priest who's uh, yeah. engaging with right. prostitutes, which is, I guess, better than molesting an altar boy. Voice. I don't know. Yeah, or uh, or a Hasidic Jew who's uh, you know selling uh, pork on uh, you know uh, to make a living, or or a Buddhist who's selling hunting rifles to to people. It's to me you can't claim to be and no one religious. Speaks, no, no one speaks for these victimized animals. There are many, many, uh, many groups out there. And next week I'm going to have somebody else talking from. Uh, she's from Ohio, I believe, and she'll be talking about her uh, her rescue mission. Um, so uh, as we're waiting for a lady to call there's um, so what's bad about these puppy mills about these puppy farms there's overcrowding there's disease there's little to to no access uh, to the most to the basic veterinary care they don't get care these dogs so do they uh, have any pictures like Peter oh lots of pictures pictures of the abuse seriously wow lots of videos Okay. Photos, lots of videos, and photos. At some point in time, can the listeners cue into that and take a peek? Well, Dawn told me that she would send me photos and videos so that we can post wow. it on the website. Wow. Uh, yeah, so there are a lot of tumors, birthing complications. They get respiratory infections, flea infestations, heartworms, all kinds of stuff. Uh, hmm. and, many, and so what happens is, as happened to see this boxer, many of these dogs, they stop eating because they're sick. Now, the Amish, they don't know, they don't care, you know, they don't understand. So the dog stops eating and the dog ends up dying of starvation because the dog is sick. And that disease goes undiagnosed because no one calls the doctor. Okay, here we are. I got, oh, 
I I got uh, the phone rang, but I was I didn't pick up quick enough. So, um, I hope she calls again. We got our producer to try to ring her up. Yeah, get her to call back in. I wish I could uh, and call her back. Maybe can I call her back? Can my producer help me with this uh, with this stuff here? Well, while our producer's trying to get Don, yeah, to reconnect me. with us. So. Uh, as Let's I continue, so breeding parents spend their lives, they're confined to cages. Well, let me ask you something, the obvious. Don't these states, doesn't Pennsylvania have animal, you know, our show's from California, so don't they have uh, some policing, bureaucratic, and animal control, animal welfare people, a system in place that can go with their check? Are you saying that the lobby groups Take care of them. Well, first of all, the law is weak, okay? These these dogs are, are basically uh, protected, and I say that in quotation marks, by, uh, are we calling our late? They're protected by the Animal Welfare Act, and they're just basically uh, giving them just basic... You have to answer. It's ringing. Do I answer here? Hi. Hello, hello, hello. I, I'm sorry I missed your call, uh, Dawn. So you're here on LA Talk Radio with me, Nancy. We, as you recall, we talked a few days ago, and I have right. a I have a guest host here, uh, William Mayoff, who's also an attorney, and we're we're actually talking about um, the Amish. And Don, a warm welcome to you. A warm welcome here. Very pleased to Hi, meet you. Hi, thank you. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Good. good. All right. I, I did send you some pictures, Nancy, so you get you can get some of the ideas of what we face when we pick dogs up at these mills. So so first of all, tell me a little bit about your rescue and Tracy, so we can get an idea. Yeah, tell okay. me a little bit about your background. Okay, well, we're a, we're a boxer rescue in the Northeast. We cover Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, um, Boston area, Connecticut, wherever we have a volunteer, we cover. So we do all breed. We're doing the all boxer rescue, and we've done this for. I've been doing this for 22 years, wow, wow. and we've saved thousands of boxers. Wow. And we're advocates for spay neuter. And just because we're in Pennsylvania and Maryland, we have gotten ourselves into becoming mill advocates because we've been taking so many mill dogs in. And we see the neglect, and we see how this is legal, and how we have the power to stop this. If only people would realize when they purchase a dog, they're not saving the puppy. They're dooming the mom and the dad to a life of misery. Most don't get out. Oh, only boy. the lucky few do. We so, don't even think you know, of We just we happen to stumble upon these mill situations. And, you know, you can't look away. So tell me a little bit about Tracy. Tracy was a boxer that was brought into a veterinary hospital by the Amish Miller, who was a very young guy. And he did not notice that she was really sick for a really long time, so he said. And when he was really sick, he brought her into the vet and said, "Uh, can you fix her? If you can't, put her to sleep. And he said, I, I don't know if we can fix her. She's really sick. But why don't we give her to a rescue? Why don't you sign her over to me? 
and give her to a rescue so that she has a chance at having a life. So he did get her to do that. And we picked her up from the vet. They thought it was pancreatitis because she couldn't eat. She was so sick. Well, it was right before Christmas. So we said, let's get her out of Lancaster County. We'll take her up to our specialty hospital where we brought her up there. And she had neurological signs. She couldn't walk. She was spinning in a circle. She couldn't keep her head up. And so we thought, wow, this is really scary. We better get her to the University of Pennsylvania because that's in our, our area. And before Christmas, we didn't want her to die. And with the holidays coming, it was like two days from Christmas, we knew if we didn't get some serious help, she wasn't going to make it. So we drove her down to University of Pennsylvania, and a veterinarian there said they did testings, and they said one word, starvation. Oh, my. There's nothing wrong with this dog. She was starved. She was so starved. Finally, she was starved. I mean, oh. we did every test, ultrasound. We did an MRI. We did everything on this dog because we wanted her to live because we knew how bad her past was. So Penn knew immediately. Um, you know, I'm in Scranton, Pennsylvania. There aren't many people starving dogs around here. But at the University of Pennsylvania, they see act Philadelphia dogs where they take 60,000 dogs in in a year. And, and, you know, Philly's a city living in poverty, so a huge section of that city has a lot of bad things happening to animals, so they see a lot more. And the vet knew right off, this is starvation. He documented everything. We had great records. Within two days of them giving her starvation meds, I, I think it was vitamin E, vitamin D, all these supplements wow. and shots, she started walking. She started standing up. She started eating like a, like a ravenous dog. Mm. And within two weeks, she became a dog that was on her way to good health. Um, she was later adopted by two doctors in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Oh, beautiful. And she's thriving. She has a fenced-in yard, two boxer boy brothers. And I could not let it go. So I called the Pennsylvania SPCA Animal Cruelty Department. I sent her my videos, my pictures, and the vet report. So they filed a case, and we were lucky enough that it went through, and he was found guilty. He wasn't found guilty as much as we'd like. However, it was a big step in the right direction because they never are usually found guilty. They've been getting away with this for years. So a small little step was in the right direction. It's just luckily for Tracy that she was able to survive and have a great home. And it was a success story for her. Now, what about when you say that he was found guilty, this Miller person, was he, did he get a fee or a fine? What did they do? Um, well, he had a slick lawyer, I will tell you that. Wow. And he was a real mean SOB. And he did right by his, my husband's an attorney as well. I mean, he, I've been in uh, a lot of situations where I've seen different lawyers. He was not nice. He just wanted to win, and he went. He did well for his client. Um, he he can't have a kennel license, I think, for five years. But after that, he can. Okay. Um, but he can operate he was, illegally, can't he? He can. He can operate legally. Was this published? I mean, was his name and so forth published in the paper so the public can be aware of him and the stigma attached? Hopefully, as a deterrence. Uh, I'm not really sure because let's be clear here lancaster county is run by the amish wow. the politicians are in the amish pocket right. 
um, gotcha. big farming. Most of these far- millers are farmers on the side. They're farmers first, millers on the side. This sure. is a, I'll just give you a, a for instance, if you had seven, we, I met a, po- a poodle miller. Seven poodles made her $150,000 a year. Well, there you go. That's most the motivation. Of these, most of the millers do not claim most of their income. They're tax evaders. Um, you know, they're, they are criminals. They don't have licenses, dog licenses. They don't get these dogs vetted. They don't have a rabies, which is against the law. Um, you know, they know the system. They know how many dogs they can have on their property. If they think they're going to be inspected, if they are a legal mill, they'll get rid of dogs. They'll transfer them. They'll give them to a brother who does the same thing. This is a scandal. It's a I don't really want, Don, bad Don, God bless you for you know bringing this to light. Seriously, th- and this should be the common news. This should be part of daily news fodder, and, and uh, it's not. It's, it's not enough. Well, we put billboards up wow. on Route 6 in my town, which is a big retail corridor. There are three pet stores selling commercially bred dogs, whether it's from Lancaster County or Missouri. So excellent, it's, excellent. it's out there. I can't, I don't know how much more it can get out there, gotcha. but people keep choosing when they want that puppy. They don't care where it comes from. Now, let me tell you this. These dogs are sick. The moms are sick. They're overbred. They have heart murmurs. Wow. They have serious issues. And they're breeding these dogs until they can't get enough puppies out of them to put the money into the dogs for dog sick. food. Yeah, terrible. So what happens when the dog is spent and can't have any any more puppies? Most of them are killed and thrown on the compost pile. So they're killed. How are they killed? And who kills them? The the the. They take with themselves. They shoot the dog. They shoot the dog. They kill it. Whatever way they find. And they and the cheapest way. The and how did way. how did they dispose of the dog? They throw them on the compost pile. If you Google Libra, the Boston Terrier puppy, she had mange. She was left for dead on the compost pile, and a delivery truck went down and saw her moving, this and alerted the authorities. And they suffering. went in and they made a case out of it. However, Libra's law is just the beginning. It's a good start. But it doesn't touch the Amish because most dogs are not tied out. The Amish don't tie their dogs out. So, so, so what is the, what is this new, law? What is this? They're trying to pass called Victoria's Law, which will help. What is Victoria's Law? What is this about? It's it's a new law that too, it hasn't gone in front of anyone yet. It's just sitting there for months while more and more dogs suffer and they're just they're not putting it up in front of the politicians for some reason would it be a retail ban on on purebred dogs it is i'm trying to find it here for you because i think i mean i may have heard about it i think it's an attempt it's a law that would prevent that would make the retail sales of these dogs illegal in pet shops like like we have in california I think that's what it is. I'm not sure. Victoria's Law, Pennsylvania's pet retail sales bill. Yeah, I mean, I... it was introduced by two senators. However, like I said, it's just sitting there. Don, let me ask you. Is William, William, let me ask you. So to mobilize, I'm sure you've started to do that or you're doing that. 
but to the extent that we can reach the people or the public and all that, you have a website that they should go to to mobilize people, to bring public well, awareness. And, and I'm going to forget, and another second thing is, any particular breeds and all that people should be sensitive to, but the, any website is going to be very helpful. If we could be well, there are pretty good websites out there. Say note. Um, let me just pull them up for you. Thanks. If you could I list mean, a few. Well, of them you out. are adopt a rescue adopt a box a boxer rescue dot com adopt a boxer rescue dot com. That's where Dawn is from, Beautiful. so you can go there and get information there. Right, and we are advocating for the dogs like crazy. Right now, there's a bill in New York that we're, we're hoping gets passed about selling commercially bred dogs in New York State. And, you know, New Yorkers are pretty progressive, so I'm hoping this has a very good chance of passing. But in the end, it's really up to the consumer. In the end, it's up to the consumer to decide, hey, or to do their research, which is becoming increasingly difficult because the USDA scrubbed their website quite significantly in the past two years, so... It's really up to the consumer. If you really have to have one of these dogs, that just do your homework, do your research. Don, will national media cover this, like CBS News, ABC News, the news outlets? Are they interested in this and making this a better place? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, we've had a lot of coverage. I've spoken to the State Department of Agriculture head. That's who covers the dog law in Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Um, the dog law officers, I speak to them every time I come out of a mill and I report the mill. They understand my frustration. However, they're looking for what the law tells them is illegal or legal. And unfortunately, most of these people are legal because they're doing what the law says. All the ones under 26 dogs in Pennsylvania, they don't have to have a kennel license, and they have no one to go in there and inspect because you can't go on private property. And you can still pull in a lot of money with 26 dogs. You can make uh, hundreds of thousands of years. Part of the problem. Don, what about any five dogs or six dogs? If they're breeding dogs with anything over five or six dogs, they should have to have a kennel license. Right. Of course. Don, you know, you know, there's there's boycotts, you know, there, there there's boycotts, there's certain economic pressures. I don't know, maybe the businesses that the perpetrators are involved, the Amish and all that, maybe that's the only way to teach them lessons or to bring pressure to bear that they be humane. So maybe we want to explore that too. You know, like all these. Here's the problem, though. Like, we're an all volunteer rescue. We don't have paid staff. We don't have a facility. So, everything's run out of a volunteer's home. So, what we do with with the boxer rescue takes almost every second of our day, period. So, it's really hard for us to save the dogs, get them homes, and advocate for them at the same time. You know, it's. There's just not enough time in the day. But what did, what could the average person do right now that'll make a difference? I mean, I mean you know. Well, here's a website, Bailing Out Benji. It's a small nonprofit group that is dedicated to educating the public and providing them with the most current and accurate data regarding. Re- if you could repeat it slowly again, so uh, you know the average Joe and Josephine, if they're listening and they want to do something, so we got to go, you know, door to door, people based. Yeah. We get a lot of our information to pass along. It's called Bailing Out Benji. Bailing Out Benji, so that's B-E-N-J-I. So it's bailingoutbenji.com. Right. Okay. And, Excellent. And also, like I said before, you know, ultimately it's up to the buyer to say, hey, I'm not going to get a dog that comes from, I want to know, I want to meet the mother, you know. I mean, where are these dogs sold? I think they're sold on the internet, right? LancasterPuppies.com, stuff like that. 
so many are sold on the internet and with more and more stores not being allowed because they're banning retail sales in a lot of states and municipalities. New Jersey, I believe, has outlawed it in 370-some-plus um, towns. However, it's perfectly fine for you to sit behind the counter of your computer and sit there and order it with no shame. Yeah. And no one's judging you. And it gets delivered to you because we see these Amish going to the vets, getting their health certificate, and shipping them out. We got to take this further. Yeah, I would. I actually, our time is almost up, but we're going to take this a little further. And I would like to have, for you to come back on Please. at a later time, so we can kind of finish this conversation. Don, you're a saint. You're a saint. We we have to help you perfect this and to bring it further. And yeah, we got to get this really, really out there. Because truly, when they buy a dog from these people, they are encouraging animal abuse. There's no other way to look at it. Okay, so it's, so alternatively, what should they do? Some mom and pop, wherever, Pennsylvania, wherever it is. How, how do they? Okay, so where should I get the dog? What's your answer? Any rescue. There's an all breed rescue for every breed today. Oh, there you go. So so there's the key. So if they want a Dalmatian sensation, there's going to be a breed for that. They want a poodle. There's be something at the rescue. Is that what you're saying for every yeah. breed? and patience but believe me there are golden retrievers in turkey that there are gazillions of them just waiting for a good home there are dogs there you know we're a global place today exactly. everything's at our fingertips you She's can wonderful. find that dog She's it just great. takes patience Dawn, you're a saint you're such a saint. We well, got to talk to her again. I'm yeah. Serious. So, Don, we're, our time is up, but um, I wanna I want you to come back on the show at a later time, and we can continue conversation. So, I'll be contacting you sometime this week, so we can schedule a new time if you're available. Obviously, a new time and date. Oh yeah, just let me know. I'm happy to talk because if I can just tell one person yeah. a little about their lives, it'll make a big difference in that one dog's life. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. You're a we'll saint. talk soon. Thanks okay, a billion. Bye. Ciao. Thank you. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don. Wow, wow, this time went really, really fast. So that's it for us. Um, but those of you who want to help and care, please go to the websites and help yeah. any way you can. Talk to people, word of mouth. So Isn't I'm going to put a lot of information on my website, animallawlawyer.com. You can email me at nancy at animallawlawyer.com. This is LA Talk Radio. You can go to letalkradio.com. I'm on there on the page. Send me a message. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. And, um, and it's a pleasure working with you, Nancy. You're a pro, and God bless yeah, the animals. Yeah, yeah. I'm a genius, and uh, you're not. God bless the animal. <laughs> okay, I'm Nancy DeFabio. And, and I'm William Thanks Mayoff. for spending this time. Yes, that's William Mayoff, and thanks for spending this time thanks, with me. Nancy. Bye-bye. Thanks. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio.